Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of True Understanding. I'm your host, you know who I am. Today, I wanted to talk about a couple things in particular. The nature of the soul and what it means to be human. The nature of the soul is that of an all-consuming fire. This fire is referred to as many things in classical science and literature. It being of the flame, it is either doused or stoked by what is thrown upon it. Many Greek philosophers, particularly the Stoics, thought to make all that is thrown upon the fire of their soul burst into flames to fuel it moving forward, to elevate higher. The nature of the soul moving further is deep and dark, and there dwells a great shadow within the soul. This is the beast, what many refer to as the lizard brain or the primal instinct. These primal instincts are the leftovers from when we truly were still animals without knowledge. In Taoist philosophy, many philosophers referred to yin and yang, the dark within the light and the light within the dark. Embodying both of these aspects is very difficult. Not only difficult, almost impossible without almost driving oneself mad. To embody these things, you must become somewhat paradoxical in nature. You must become truly kind, but if someone comes after you, you must become a beast. And you'll find that being truly kind comes by truly becoming a beast. To be human, and I don't mean just as a species, the literal word of the word, the literal meaning of the word human, is to conquer one's animal self. I am no different than a hairless ape with a large brain. Consider me a porpoise. Porpoises are extremely intelligent, but are they aware that they are simply an animal like that which they consume, or do they look upon everything as food? When an animal becomes self-aware that it is an animal, only then can one say that it is sentient, that it is knowing, that it is sapient. We do not even know that we are animals anymore. We have lost that information and that knowledge within ourselves. We are no longer human. We are cattle to the people who watch over us. There dwells a great unconsciousness within mankind. This unconsciousness is the very soul of God himself. And many people seek to sequester it, to put it to rest, and to stop its work. But there are a great many things changing all the time. For everything is always in flux. Such is the nature of the universe. Change. Change is always upon us.
There are so many things to talk about and so many things so vaguely understood. I think from here, we'll refer on how to amass energy from nowhere, how to move it, how to manipulate it, how to create constructs and to utilize them. Pulling energy is very simple. If you are one of light, then all you must do is terrify the darkness itself. Truly look to the sky. Love the planet that you stand upon. Look to the darkness with a smile on your face and say, truly things will become brighter. To move energy, all one must do is imagine it clearly and vividly. It's rather simple. There's not really much else to it. The biggest problem that comes is when you're beset by others who simply wave their hands around, constantly bickering and arguing instead of seeking out the one person, the one group of people, the one cult, the one cabal, the one society, the one destroyer that seeks to take us all. We know who they are, what they are, and where they come from. And we know we, they tread upon our holy land. Consecrated in sacred ground. The Stoic philosophers of old spoke very similar to Christ himself. To worry not on the loss of things to grieve, certainly, but to not become burdened by that which you have lost. For if you have lost, you will not say, woe is me that this has happened to me. Be grateful and say both to yourself and to others, how grateful am I that this has happened to me and I have not perished. One of the defining traits that you'll find in many people is that many do not wish to be awake because they cannot handle it, because they do not understand, cannot understand, or because they're not willing to understand. So many people are entirely unable to heal the trauma within their own soul. When we dream, we're not only dreaming, as in imagining 
scenarios or thinking or dreaming in the literal sense. This is our soul leaving our body for a time. Albeit time is distorted somewhat. But what this equates to is time travel in a sense. We see parts of our lives played out before us. We see entire lifetimes played out before us. Since change is the only constant in the universe, one can infer that the only variable that changes is the observer. Schrodinger's equation in classical science and physics simply states that the universe changes based on whether or not it is being observed. The double slit experiment demonstrates that a photon will take two paths between two slits and it scatters from there forward and it scatters differently based on whether or not an observer is viewing it. It will scatter either into two slots if there is no observer or it will scatter in many ways if there is an observer as if the photon is aware it is being watched as if the universe is aware that it is being watched. Looking at old CRTVs, you know, the kind with the large box on the back of them. You, know, you could barely fit inside of the media center in your home or on the coffee table, wherever you decided to put it. But... Those were quite special devices compared to the modern flat screen. They typically came with what one would refer to as TV static, a simple black and white green that, as scientists, scientists later deduced, actually mimicked cosmic background radiation in its depictions and the way it scattered, as if it was its own section of the overall fabric of reality in that one particular space. With this in mind, knowing that TV static is essentially an afterimage of the Big Bang, what would you do with that knowledge, integrating it into your psyche? As all knowledge consumed, in some form or fashion, is integrated into your psyche. Hence why people gravitate towards certain things, almost as if to allocate skill points into things in a game. The way this works is essentially the same way that our soul is tied to essentially our birth certificate. If you're now, this might sound a bit baseless, and this might sound a bit crazy, but if you are circumcised in any form or fashion, your birth certificate is enchanted and tied to your soul. In this sense, 
the government owns your soul. Knowing this as well, it can be inferred, it can be inferred that essentially, being that the government owns you, no deal made with any extraterrestrial, demonic, or angelic entity holds any weight as you, by all technicality, are not the one that owns your soul. Knowing this as well, it allows you to flaunt the rules a little bit, but tread very carefully, extremely carefully. As in classical literature with the monkey's paw, every wish has an unintended or unintentional cause and effect. These can vary greatly between people and between wishes, but the most commonality between them all is that something terrible happens, and typically it's in the scale of threefold as to what the good was. And unless you are truly prepared for this, and sometimes it can destroy people, almost down to their entirety. truth behind a lot of things is hidden behind smoke and mirrors. The mirrors being that which we look at when we see ourselves. But I ask you this, do you know what your face really looks like? Do you know who you really are? Do you know what you are? Ask yourself that question on a daily basis. And don't let anyone but you decide who and what you are. Because every other voice in your head, possibly even my own, as honestly, I'm besieged by demons, angels, humans, those who dwell under the earth, those who dwell above, all trying to tell me I'm this, I'm that, I'm the third. You may call me a paranoid schizophrenic, but who knows? Maybe I'm not crazy. The only way to truly know whether or not you are speaking, whether or not you are thinking, is if you are speaking aloud. Napoleon Hill spoke of this as affirmations, calling things into existence. Simply thinking things is not enough because other people can manipulate your inner monologue, your thoughts, your mind, and your soul, all in the same fashion. What this can mean, and the greater overall meaning of it, is well and truly something terrifying. By not having your own inner monologue, what becomes of you when you don't listen to yourself? You don't do what you need to do. You only do what your instincts tell you to do. For many people, this manifests differently. In the same ways that this manifests, there are seven major variations in the form of sins. Whether you believe the biblical seven deadly sins or the eight from Buddha, there are a great deal of ways we can sin. 
but we'll look at the most popular religion, Christianity. In classical Christianity, there are eight deadly sins. Gluttony, lust, greed, sorrow, wrath, sloth, vainglory, and superbia, pride. Gluttony manifests in a variety of ways, but the most common you see are those who are morbidly obese, those who truly, truly love to consume everything around them. They're typically very nice people, very kind, but this is simply a snare for most of them. Those who are still human will have a defined shape, edges, and will not have an excess of rolling flaps of skin. It's quite often typical to have sagging skin in old age, and it's perfectly normal. In fact, it should be revered as you've made it through life, and you're nearing its end. And as Seneca would say, why would one fear what, what comes naturally? As the point of all life is to die. The second sin is lust. You see this manifest in people who cheat, who have sex on too often a basis, who masturbate frequently, who chase women and or chase men and truly what this what becomes of you is that you're no longer able to truly find someone to love as you've already given parts of yourself to so many people that there is nothing left for you to give and truly it is a sad way to live as there's nothing left of you to give next we have greed we see this in the people who rule over us on a daily basis. The politicians who greedily lap all the money from our pockets like hungry hound dogs looking for their next meal. They take and take and take by taxing, by new laws, by policies, by overpricing food. You can have a direct example of their greed. The way that the government runs, as it currently is, is based on manipulating the stock market and economy. By doing this, what happens is they lobby for a bill, the bill gets passed, it makes X company more money, which in turn makes a stock go up. This, in turn, lines the pockets of whoever lined that bill. With this in mind, you can look at politicians instead as business owners. And these business owners are the people who own your soul. You are a product if you live in America. You don't have a soul if you live in America. Plain and simple. And the only way to get one is to die. Until then, you are simply a pawn. Nothing.
And that isn't to say you should go out and kill yourself. By no means should you. But you ought to look far more deeply at what goes on inside of your own mind. So many things go on when we think it's just our inner monologue chattering to us. It could be the person you love or the person that will love you truly. It could be your ancestors guiding you along. It could be God himself speaking to you. It could be Lucifer, the demon king of hell. It could be absolutely anything. But I ask you this. If the universe saw fit to allow life to come forth to understand itself, what would make the universe happiest? My only guess, my only deduction, is that the universe would create life to understand itself so that it may move forward into a higher plane as we try to and speak of and what people refer to as the second advent. The second advent of Christ states, plain and simply, that in the coming times when life is at an end and plagues are wrought throughout humanity on the earth, there will come a time where all humans and life on earth will ascend to heaven and leave their physical bodies behind. This ascension is not death per se. This is the advancement and declination of two distinct types of people, the demons and the enlightened. The demons, you can rearrange the words and letters just slightly with demon to make it say down. All you have to do is invert the other half of the D. Shoot, all you have to do is invert the, the word demon upside down. And you have drown. Drown. That may seem a little nonsensical, but there are a lot of things that are simply mirrored. I refer back to an earlier statement in this episode of smoke and mirrors. To the fourth sin, sorrow, despair, and despondency. To remain sad, to remain cold and empty, is truly no way to live. For it is just another level lower than where you ought be. To be sorrowful and remain in this sadness is to be the same as ice, cold, melting when you feel warmth, to break into tears and release that which ails you. But you need not even get to that point if you can come to an understanding of what it is that plagues you. Knowing that which plagues you is what will keep you safe and keep you from that point. Coming next, we have Ira, or wrath. To be wrathful, put simply, is to attack others baselessly 
not necessarily verbally or physically, but simply to think ill of others with no reason or recompense. Wrath is fury, destruction, chaos. Wrath is something not necessarily to be feared, but something to be tamed. As they say, heaven hath no fury, God's wrath. Wrath is something that can be deserved. It's a bit of a strange one. The people that do deserve one's wrath are the people that go against what the universe truly needs in a human being. Next, we have sloth. Slothenly people are very similar to obese people in that they typically do nothing. They have nothing. They simply laze about, sometimes not even eating. As slothful as they may be, They rest every day rather than chasing after what it is they need to do. And these slothful people will simply sit, 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 pass the time, pass the time thinking to themselves, my life has yet to begin. I am simply waiting for something good to happen to me where I can be taken on my journey. Why not create your journey for yourself? Vanity is very similar to pride, which will be mentioned very shortly. But vanity is one of the most destructive of the sins, as it leads to a variety of other sins. You can look at it as the gateway to sin in a lot of people. To think one better or higher than another is simply foolish. They simply do not know. And if you do know, you ought to bring it up to them without saying, oh, you simply do not know. Oh, fool that you are. Even I am guilty of this. And to those that I have offended by doing this, I apologize with my deepest of condolences, for I am still but an animal. Vanity as well is essentially the most toxic thing a person can be. You know vain people. You can look at the Kardashians. You can look at people who parade themselves around, virtue signaling, saying that, oh, my way is nicer, it's kinder, I'm thinking about their past. I respect them more than you because I acknowledge what happened to them. If you truly acknowledged what happened to them, you wouldn't feel the need to bring it up every 20, 30, 40, 50, 5, 60 years. Every 20 minutes, every 10 minutes, every 5 minutes. Constantly having to virtue signal that, oh, I am so much holier than you because I acknowledge this, that, and the third. Or the people that think just because I change XYZ part about myself that 
Oh, well, now I'm better than you. I'm accepting. I do this differently than you, and that makes me better. This is the essence of vanity. To think oneself higher of another. The final and worst of all is pride. Hubris. Pride is something special, as pride can both make you strong and resolute, but if overused and overdeveloped, one's pride can destroy you the same way that it built you. Take pride in knowing that you are doing good, but do not seek reward or praise for having done something good, for that will create hubris. Be proud of who you are and what you do without trying to show it off. For there's no reason for you to ever need praise from another. Requiring praise from another, that's, that's God's domain. And there's no reason for us to have to ask for another to praise us. Simply thanking them is plenty. What these sins do to the soul is essentially change one's wavelength. It alters one's light. This light being their life. These things that come about from this change in wavelength can be referred to as demons. But in reality, all it truly means is you have not lived enough yet. You have not seen enough. You are unable to ascend because you do not vibrate highly enough. If one does not vibrate highly enough, when the rapture comes, one will be unable to reach the next level. You can feel when one's vibrations are much higher. And I mean this for a variety of people. In some cases, you feel as though you overwhelm someone's spirit. They may get the chills in your presence. They may simply shudder. Some people shake. Being unable to be lowered comes in fight or flight. You make the choice now, is what your soul is telling you. Do you fight? Do you run? Or do you watch and pause? There are cases for each one and values to each one. For if you are facing a bear or a creature that outweighs you by a thousand pounds, perhaps even two hundred pounds, the best choice might be to run. If you are facing another man and he outweighs you, by 20 pounds. The choice then becomes, am I willing to fight and become injured to save myself and my vanity, my glory? And then there's freeze. Freeze falls between run and fight. If one can freeze and dissuade the other party from fighting, this is power. 
power comes from being able to look your enemy in the eye and say to them, I don't want to know what I can do to you, so don't try me. Power is to look upon your enemy and strike fear into their heart, knowing full well they know you're scared. But are you scared of them or are they more scared of you? This is a question you have to ask yourself. It's quite easy to scare people with simply a look, albeit even easier to terrify others with acts of violence. But this doesn't make people fear you in most cases. All this does is either make people think ill of you or pity you. And the only time one should seek to truly strike fear into the heart of another is when you're truly close to death. A great many things remain untold to the people, such that we are all being looked down upon by powers that we don't understand and that we are all being controlled by something deep and malicious that we do not have the capability to comprehend. Going beyond trauma, grievances, grudges, or anything describable in human language. It is simply to consume, to destroy, to be made one with the void. Knowing this, what happens if you look, stare, glimpse into that void for too long? Well, the void stares back at you, of course. For if there is a great and beautiful light, then there is also a great and deep darkness. If we want to equate this to celestial bodies in the sky, the sun would be God and a black hole the devil the planets being the angels and other stars being other eyes watching down. To this notion, I put forward the idea, maybe the sun is God. Maybe Jupiter is the son of God. Perhaps Venus is destruction. Perhaps Mars is barrenness. Perhaps Mercury is wrath. You'll find, if you ever come across me in person, you'll know who I am, not only by name, but by my presence, if you are aware like I am. I don't seldom ever speak of anything besides work or small things that don't really matter unless I'm truly speaking to someone who understands. And even now, knowing that you can hear me saying this, you're going to listen to it and think to yourself that you had a premonition, that you knew this was going to happen. But the truth of the matter is, you are asleep, 
You were, at least when you heard me say this, deep in a dream, wondering, what is this? Where am I? And I look at you now and know that you can see me. There are so many things in this world that are all intertwined, beautifully cacophonous in their noise with each other. Truly a choir, whether of hell or of heaven, all things are beautiful. God made the angels to fall for specific purpose, and that was to grow their spirit truly teach them what freedom is. When you are truly free, able to do anything, many forget their roots, where they came from, what they do, what they are capable of, and what the right and wrong things are. Due care must be put into taming the animal that dwells within all of us. Within every single person on earth dwells that same beast that fashioned a rock into an axe or a spear or later into a bow and an arrow or took the skin of an animal and dried it and turned it into clothing. Many of the world's problems right now come from a lack of reusability, a lack of permanence. This same permanence is why we forget tradition in America. It is why we no longer truly believe in anything in particular. If you are an atheist listening to this, perhaps this might shed some light on what I believe. I believe in all religions, certainly so, as in no place on earth can you find every piece of gold. As such, you must search all around to find all of the gold. In the same way that you must search through all knowledge to find what is God truly? Who is God? How did he make us? What are we? And to this I say, we are God trying to understand himself. It might be the stoned ape theory, like Joe Rogan once said. It could be that the universe itself was already sentient and pulling the strings. It is my personal belief that the stars, the planets, the black holes, and everything else around us are all part of a greater being. That the universe itself is like an amoeba or a steadily expanding cell that is growing. Or that the universe itself is the same bacteria that appeared once on earth and gave birth to us as life. As above and so below. 
Many things in this world are entirely unknown, and those that know even a little will try to lead others astray more than gladly, simply for pleasure for themselves, or by ignorance and simply not knowing that what they know is incomplete. I keep in mind that I truly know nothing, and that even this should be looked at with a bit of salt along with what you think and what I think. One of the hardest things I've found as a human being to conquer is the desire to ruin things, to make things unclean, to leave a mess and move on rather than try to sort things out and fix it. And even now, that I'm working on this and that I have reached some form of understanding, whether or not it is true understanding, leaves me with a lot of questions. Where did all this pain come from? Where did all this trauma come from? But pain itself evolved so that we knew we were damaged in some way. And so that we were able to find and mend that which was broken on or in us. Modern medicine functions on a spiritual principle. In the same way that there are very niche home remedies that tend to work very well in curing ailments. The chemical concoctions, they come up with the specific purposes for drugs are so specific for a purpose. They are made to affect specific people on specific wavelengths. In essentia, not curing the ailment, but passing it on to the person with the matching wavelength of this chemical formula. In previous episodes, I spoke about how DNA is essentially a barcode ingrained into your spirit. And that this barcode, when transcribed, can describe who and what you are and where you came from in the same way that your ancestry tells you who you are. When we are without things, we always think to ourselves, why am I without this? What has led me to this point? Many times it is considered a test and it is our duty to pass this test with flying colors. For example, from my own personal life, I was once a bicycle courier. I greatly enjoyed the work I did, although it was arduous, terrible, and painful to say the least. It helped me better myself by discipline and hard work. And I can say that it was most assuredly worth it. One of my favorite things about being a cyclist that I learned is which leaves your hand will break through the easiest when you have to stop and wipe your rear end. <sighs> Thankfully enough, uh, my favorite kind of tree was nearby was a mulberry tree. 
They're kind of like grapes or blackberries. Very simple and pretty tasty. And I had to stop one day and essentially grab a small handful of leaves and make my way into the woods and drop my pants and squat and let a rip was not a pretty sight nor was it something I would want to do again but knowing now that I've done it I can and possibly would do it again if push came to shove it's just a way of life if you have to do that and knowing that you might have to go through inhuman things simply part of life the only true thing in this world is love love is what keeps us all going love gives life love gives pride love gives us desire love gives us wanting love can make us sad Love can make us angry. Love can make us sedentary. Love can make us vain. And love can make us proud. There are a great deal of things that are all intertwined with one another. In the same way that our car is our vehicle for our body, our body is our vehicle for our soul. If you do not take care of your vehicle, you do not take care of yourself. And this isn't about cars. <laughs>